Another episode of Not Your Average Operator. We've got me here, Paul Mellon McFadden, sitting in the Middle East. I've got uh, my my boy Raf over on the East now, shifted to the East Coast. How are you, Raf? Hey, good, Mellon. How you doing, man? I'm good. The other day, my son, uh, they're they're over in South Australia where they've pretty much got the coronavirus sorted, and they and he's had a couple of games of rugby. And on the weekend, ran in a try in the uh, the jersey that his old man used to wear. And I sort of normally get there for a game around this time of year, so. We had at least one McFadden getting a, uh, a try or a touchdown, as you guys call it, for for uh, my club there in South Australia. So that was great. Hey, Mike, how you no. doing? What's up, Melon? How's it going, brother? Just uh, good, man. what's been going on? For you? Oh man, <laughs> pretty challenging week to say the least. But uh, you know, it's uh, it's good. It's it's good to be back, and um, I'm really I'm really excited to talk about some of the stuff we're going to talk about today. Um, you know, Raf, Raf's traveling and he's over here with me now on the East Coast. And, uh, you know, just uh, I think I think today's going to be a good day and the topic that we're going to discuss. So I'm ready, man. Yeah, good, man. Raf, are you going to jump in there and tell us what you're up to before I rudely cut you off? Oh, it, nothing exciting, man. I'm just uh, I'm in the middle of a quarantine for work um, before I go outside the country. Um, but I, just nothing exciting. Man. I'm just I'm in. uh I'm the East Coast. I'll just leave it at that. Enjoying the uh, the humidity, <laughs> sucks. Well, well, just so uh, I mean that that's what's going on with us right now is a bit of a segue straight into the the topic of this week, which is you know what's the biggest lesson or lessons that you've learned from travel, and uh, you know we people love to do it. Some people don't leave the state that they were born in their whole lives. You know, some people would get their roots right down in that at home city. I know the three of us have done probably more than our fair share of travel. I've, you know, I've t- tallied up about 26 countries with, you know, I've had 10 years here in the Middle East, so a really large amount of time outside my country of birth. And, you know, we've all seen, seen stuff we wouldn't have seen if we stayed at home. So we're going to try and scratch out a couple of the lessons that we've learned, best things we've taken from travel. And uh, kicking us off this week, it'd be Mike. Yeah, thanks for Melon. So, uh, yeah, travel, man, uh, like you said, man, we've done a lot of that, uh, individually. And then, uh, you know, even some together, you know, I've, I've done some traveling with RAF and personal and professional, you know, we take a nice, uh, bird hunting vacation where we went out to Kansas with a, a friend of ours and we had an amazing time. Then, uh, we took another joy trip to Afghanistan and had another type of hunting trip. So, uh, you know, it depends on how you look at it, but uh, definitely lessons learned in both. Um, <clears throat> so I, I would say the first part of it, man, is I appreciate the idea alone of travel. What, is, what does travel mean? You're leaving your space. You're leaving your box, your bubble. Uh, just to have the opportunity to be able to do that is something that uh, – you know, I, I think in the Western world, you know, the United States, Australia, free nations, you have that ability. Um, the reason, you know, I say that is because I think a lot of people take that for granted, uh, especially in the Western civilization. So uh, this little background of kind of like where I've been, I've been to 33 countries total uh, and been on three continents. 
I've been to the poorest nation on earth and one of the uh, probably most, uh, you know, expensive places on earth as far as things go. So, um, which one's the poorest one, Mike? Uh, so it, it's in Africa. It's kind of like tide really, um, is Malawi. So it's on uh, Eastern, the Eastern uh, side of Africa. And, uh, it's a very, very poor nation. It's, it's right up there with, um, uh, Djibouti, I believe. So, being in those type of countries, man, it's people living in dirt huts. Uh, they have nothing. There's trash blowing around. Like there's always a joke about those type of areas that the national flower is the trash bag <laughs> because it's true. Uh, but th there's been some things where I've taken a step back, looking at where I was from, and then looking at how these people live, and it really just humbles the living hell out of you. So, um, staying on topic though, like the appreciation piece, being able to leave your box, uh, you, you kind of said it there in the opening, but some people just, they, they grow up in their hometown and they're like, I'm never leaving. They're, they're comfortable. They're happy. And that's great. You know, that's, there's nothing wrong with that. If that's how you want to live your life and you can find happiness within yourself, then, then, Hey, that's, that's awesome. But what, what do you have to lose by traveling, by seeing other places, by spending time in another culture, in another environment? Um, you know, like I said, I, I've been in uh, the mountains of Norway, which is one of the most beautiful places I've ever been, uh, up above the Arctic Circle. <clears throat> uh, was awesome. That was a, a few weeks trip up there. And then the next couple weeks, I'm down in southern Africa in 110 degree weather of living in dirt and garbage and living among people who don't have food. Uh, it's literally night and day, black and white, like everything that you can throw into there. But the appreciation of it is, man, is to get out and see things that I haven't yet seen or, or felt or gain perspective on. You know, we talk a lot about perspective, but you think you know something, to your core and then you get out and see one thing and you're just like, wow, I was not thinking about that. Uh, so yeah, there's a, there's a lot of different roads I can get into appreciation, but just being able to and have the option, the ability to go, I do it when I can. And uh, there's a couple of reasons, you know, I'll flow into my second point is that perspective. So personally, travel around the country, you know, in the United States, there's lots of stuff to do, lots of stuff to see, family, friends, all of that. Then you start talking about international travel. It's a little intimidating, the process you got to go through, you get a passport, like the, the expenses and like what's going to happen when I get there. It's totally foreign. I don't speak the language. That was, uh, that's, that's hard for some people. It was hard for me when I was a, you know, I was a young guy in the military. I was 20 years old going overseas and I'm like, I don't speak another language. I don't know these people's traditions, cultures, you know, I'm going to make myself look like an idiot. And, uh, most, most people I'd say over there kind of look at Americans as like loud, obnoxious. And they're just, you know, I've been to Paris. They don't like Americans. <laughs> they treat us like they treated us like crap when we were there. And it was like, yeah, I don't mind you guys. I don't mind you guys when the Germans come around. 
That's what I heard. That's what I hear. Oh yeah, dude. Yeah. So but we can move on. We can move on. Yeah. Yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll move past that. But, uh, two time champs anyway. Uh, <laughs> so we, uh, you know, getting that perspective about life. So in the Western world, you take water for granted, right? You look at what you take for granted, uh, food. If I want something, I can walk down the street, I can go to CVS, I can go out and, you know, go on Uber, Uber Eats and have it delivered to my house if I'm feeling tired or lazy or whatever you want to call it. Um, medicine, right? All, all those, everything, man, just TV, the, the comforts of Western life is just always around you. And it kind of cripples you in a way as a person of like, man, if this really all left, could I fend for myself? Would I panic, you know? And I think partially the coronavirus has kind of shown that at the beginning when people were stockpiling toilet paper and things like that. It's just like, that's not survival, man. <laughs> like, that's not yeah. how you got to go about it. But, I think uh, quite a lot of military people were laughing when we saw the people running for the, for the paper. Like, it's like, really? That's your yeah. first option? Yeah. That's, you know, I don't want to say laughing at them, but it just shows your lack of understanding of the real world. Um, you know, I've been over in Africa and, and villages, you know, this, this story kind of just pops out of my head, but I was in a, uh, I was in the Trans-Sahel Desert for six weeks and I lived in a tent cot. Uh, it was 130 degrees out. I had to wake up by 4.30 in the morning because it was already 90 degrees. And if you were in that thing, by the time the sun came up, you were sweating. Like you were just drenched in sweat and outside in the dust. There was no running water. It was all bottle water baths and stuff like that. Uh, very primitive living, but it's like where we had to be. And when we were getting ready to leave, we had a bunch of leftover food, like MREs, bottles of water. And uh, we couldn't take it with us on the little Gumby plane that was flying us out. So we went around to some of the villages and the people that were there with children and we were handing it out, you know, to, hey, here's some water for your kids. Here's some extra Tylenol, Advil, which they don't have, you know. People die from fevers and basic stuff every day. Uh, there was a little girl that died from a scorpion sting when I was there and buried her in the sand. She was four years old. So we're going around passing this stuff out. And uh, and I'm just like, yeah, hey, this is feel good. You know, like we're, we're helping these people. And it was, it was just a good feeling. Well, we walked up to literally this mud stick hut out in the middle of this desert. And... A mother came out with about six children, all under the age of 10. And I'm standing there and this little girl, she's six, seven years old, comes out carrying this baby, like barely able to hold him up. And she's like wobbling as she's walking up to me. And uh, she comes up and she's like pointing at me and I'm holding a, like a, a bag of food, like an MRE, you know, and she's pointing and then pointing at her brother. And I'm like, yeah, like you guys can have it. And I had a translator there and I'm trying to tell her like, you can have it. And he's like, no, 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 no. She doesn't like, she wants more food. She wants to trade her brother for more food for her family. And I was, I, I took a step back, man. I was just like, Oh my goodness. Like, what the hell do I have to worry about in my life, man? You know, and it, perspective about basic living and life. And that's what they were willing to do just to support their family, you know? So um, anyway, you know, that, on a positive note, 
when I when I get home from deployments and, and I come home and it's very hard to see everyday Americans walking around and are just complaining first world problems, you know, oh, this or that, like that my show's not on or oh, they made me wait 10 extra minutes for my sandwich, you know, and, and it's it's one of those things that we're afforded in this country because of sacrifice and everything that people have given in this country over 200 years. And that's what you should be proud of. But man, I just sit back and I'm like, I got to wait 30 minutes for my food. Sure. Take an hour if you want, but I know I'm going to get my food, you know? So there's that perspective piece, man. I definitely had that, Mike, when I was, uh, I had never thought I was going to include this in uh, today's chat. I thought I was, I think I really talk about civilian travel, but that perspective of um, being over Baghdad and Fallujah and Ramadi and so on during Gulf War II and seeing full up combat happening below in urban areas, millions of civilians living in there, full up tank engagements and artillery and airstrikes and to, to come home and, and just to ha have that real sense of gratitude for what we have in the West and you know, that it's tenuous. It's not as it, it's when you don't travel, you don't get to see that this, this stuff can come apart and what we take for granted. You don't even, you don't even, it's so taken for granted. You don't even notice you're taking it for granted, you know, that you can just get up and go down the street and just, you know, the bottom rung is so low. And like, I've had other experiences of poverty and stuff, but that one I just remembered being looking down and just thinking, holy, like, I couldn't even fathom that happening in a city in Australia, but it, it's happening, you know, it happens. Yeah. It, what, I, what I like to tell people is, you know, we get into conversations with friends, with acquaintances, family, even, you know, when they start talking about, you know, Hey man, like where you've been, what's this like? And they have ideas, you know, and I'm not judging people's ideas, whether you're, you know, I'm not getting into politics at all. It's the devil, but, uh, conservative, liberal, hey, I think this type of government should work. Hey, why don't we have this type of society? There is at least one place in this world you can travel to and get your preview all you want. And you can go there and you can see what it's like. And I've been to a lot of them. And I try to understand each and every one of them to educate myself, my life, to really appreciate things that I have in this country. Uh, but that option's there. And that's what I said, the uh, appreciation piece of being able to even do that is special. Yeah, it's so I just simplify that perspective piece, Mike, um, by, by just thinking to myself that I've won the human lottery because my life and the, how I ended up, right, is, uh, it's kind of a migrant's, the son of a migrant story. You know, my parents migrated to the United States from Mexico. Um, so when I appreciate being an American, I mean, I've always appreciated it, but kind of similar to you, I've been to well over 40 countries. Um, I'd say under half have been through the military and over half of them have been on my own dime with my wife or friends or, you know, whoever I was dating at the time. Uh, but it's, the appreciation is so visceral because I know had the steps my father taken been any different, there's just no way that I'd be able to, to have this. And I call it a life of luxury, not that I'm a millionaire, but it really is a life of luxury when you compare it to, like Melon said, the bottom rung. And I almost hate to compare my life to some of the things that I've seen 
because it's almost not fair. It's, it's, uh, I call it like human pornography. You know what I mean? Like you're, you're watching this disastrous thing and all you can think is, thank goodness I'm not in that, in that thing. And it's, it doesn't settle well with me. And I'm not, I'm not trying to spiral down this negative place because travel has actually been the greatest yogi of my life. I mean, I've learned some of the greatest things as a human being just from sitting down with complete foreigners in their countries uh, and just breaking bread with them and talking and laughing and understanding and, and building bridges, right? So to me, travel has always been positive more than it's been a negative experience. As a matter of fact, 99% of my experiences, even the terrible things I've seen, I've come out of it with kind of a, an appreciation and just kind of an enlightenment, if you will, right? As a human being and understanding. Um, but yeah, like I, like I said, to sum that up, for me, it's always been, I, I've always felt being an American, just being in a, a first world country like the United States, dude, I call it winning the human lottery because that's, that's what it is. And at no, and I had nothing to, I had nothing to do with that, right? It was all my parents. It's all, and then, obviously the, uh, my ancestors prior to them and like everything they did eventually led me first generation American to, to live the life that I, again, to me, according to my own perspective, it's a life of luxury and I've taken full advantage of it. Right. So yeah, like we're all staying on the shoulders of migrants. My, my family, I'm fifth generation Irish Australian, my wife's first generation Australian and it's <clears throat> people doing their best and, and traveling to places of opportunity to provide for their children and try and make their children's lives better, right? But perspective, I, I, that's, I really get that, Mike. Yeah. No, man. Um, and what you're both sharing right now is my final point is memories. Build memories. So I know for me, one of the hardest things that I ha I've had to do is those 33 countries that I've been to, most of those places I've been, I've been by myself. And what I mean by that now is with teammates and stuff like that, but spending it with somebody that's special to you. Um, like Raph said, and like he loves going with ops to travel and do stuff. And like, that's their memories, man. That's that builds relationship that builds bonds. Um, I've stood on the beaches of Normandy. I've been in the mountains of Switzerland at 14,000 feet. I've been in sands of Africa that are just like forever as far as you could see, um, Grand Canary Islands, you know, I mean, I can just keep going down the list. Those memories exist in my head, but I was by myself for the majority of them. And, you know, at this point in my life, I really want to share that with someone that is uh, very important to me, but that memories piece is very special. So not only are you gaining appreciation and perspective, but you're, you're building those memories with someone for the rest of your life. And you can sit back one day and you can have those stories and those memories to remember like, man, those really brought us together. We learned together. We process this together. We have an understanding about each other's lives now, you know, and it, it keeps going down. So memories is a very big piece for me. Um, one of the biggest things that helped me transit like transition into this next part of my life so you know i've shared this before but you know i want to be a father i learned that like really hard on a bit on a vacation with raf that hunting trip that we went on we went out to kansas well we went to texas we went fishing 
at uh, Lake Texoma, and then we drove to Kansas, and we went uh, pheasant hunting, and we had an amazing time. And uh, just on a drive with Raph, I had one of the best conversations I've, I've, I've had in a very long time, and that just kind of led me up into, man, that's a memory, that's a lesson. I'm appreciative that I was able to travel. I gained some brand new perspective on life, and here I am, man. Like, it's, it's, it's very special. Well, I, I think what's so unique about, and I was thinking about this, I think what's so unique about travel is that it makes simple experiences and it kind of elevates them. So, again, something like you sit at home, you have dinner. It's dinner. It's nothing to talk about. You're, you know, you can be in um, Siem Reap, Cambodia, and having dinner is this exciting experience because it's, everything's new, right? The food is different, the people around you, the sounds, the smells. But again, you're just having dinner. It's not like you're, on a roller coaster or you're, you know, like just won the lottery. I mean, you literally are still having dinner. It's not that, but something about this new element that just creates like a, a unique experience and it just elevates the senses. It elevates, you know, your emotion. And, and I think that's what I've always appreciated about, about travel is that it's always elevated the simplest things and it somehow just, you know, and it, and it kind of reminds you like, Hey man, when you go home, this dinner, this lunch, this breakfast, it can be just as exciting. You can make it just as special if you, if you choose it to be, right? If you just appreciate, if you, you know, who you're sitting across from, maybe the meal that you're doing, maybe the conversation you have, like there's, there's things that you can do to, to elevate it, to make it that special. And I think that's what's so unique about travel. And that's, I've always, I realized that pretty early on. I love that, man. And the earlier you can realize that in your life, man, I mean, the, you know, I don't want to sound cliche, but the better your life's going to be, you know what I mean? Like, it's very important as a young man to, or as a young person to realize these things and be like, man, like, travel and travel often and travel as soon as you can while you can. It's always my first advice for any young person. I mean, I've said this to my nieces, my nephews you know, kids that are transitioning from high school to college and, you know, they ask some advice like, oh, what do you think I should do? I literally, what you just said, Mike, travel, 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 travel often, travel everywhere, travel to a place that you, you're afraid of. I mean, l literally, travel to a place you're afraid of because not only will you learn and it'll educate you and you realize how ignorant you are about something you fully didn't understand because fear is really in your head. I mean, it really is. Little disclaimer though. Don't travel to places like Iraq, Afghanistan, Pakistan, go hiking through the mountains with your camera and be like, oh, this is a great vacation. Because I'm just going to say it usually doesn't turn out well. Then they send guys like me to come get you. And it's just, just don't make my job harder than it is. I really appreciate it. That's good advice, pertinent. <laughs> in, uh, in the appreciation point there, Mike, like, I'm really aware of how lucky I am and we are not, not just, not that any of us are particularly wealthy, but that we have the opportunity to travel. And you think how few of your own ancestors ever would have had the opportunity to travel more than say 200 miles, you know, 300 kilometers from their hometown. My ancestor got on a boat and sailed to Australia and I'm sure plenty of people on those voyages were dying. And that was a one-way trip and he never went home. And I was the first descendant to ever go back and village, visit that village in, uh, in Ireland. And you're like, and then out of the fraction of people living on earth now who is in a, in a position, and it's pretty much most people in the West, if they, you know, you work 
you work a regular job and say, you can, you can travel and see a big chunk of the, of the earth just because we're through no particular work that we're doing. We're just lucky. And there's, there's so many people who don't get to do that, never got to do that and never will get to do that. So it's like, for me, I really have that appreciation that you were just saying. Yeah. All right. So appreciation, perspective and memories from Mike, that's, they're good. All right. So I'm going to jump in now. So some of the stuff you guys have said really resonates with me. And one of the ones is that I have is that the changes are permanent. Once you've gone and you've seen the way that that country does, does a meal, as Rafa said, or you, you see the way that these people live, that's in and that's, that can't be taken from you. There's no losing a job or maxing out the credit card. At any point, are you going to have your mind narrowed down? So that broadening experience of seeing the way that they dress, the way that they speak, the way the music sounds, the way they do traffic, all of those things, they go in. And some of those concepts, the, like the Arabs have somewhere more than 50 words for sand. And, you know, we've got sand. And so they have a mastery in their environment that comes and it's reflected in the language. Because when you go out there, like we've all been out there in the sand in the Middle East, it's really different. It's not all the same. And sand, the word sand doesn't, doesn't cut it. So once your mind has been broadened, you've, you've, you've crossed that uh, threshold into that different culture or that different location. You've seen a different environment. You've heard a different language. That change is with you forever. And, you know, I know I'm, I'm really different now after having 10 years here. And, you know, that'll be with me forever. And, and it's one of the reasons I really appreciate where I live and the, the position I've got here. My children travel a lot. So their little passports are like heaving with stamps uh, from all these different places. And my perspective when I travel is really funny. It's my son, Michael, walks on the left and he, he holds Annie's left hand and she's got a cane in her right hand and they're about two and a half, three metres in front of me. And like that's my view of the whole world is just like her cane clicking on the pavement Michael walking along and that's, that's us when we travel, you know, and I just, I love that they're getting that in at this age. You know, so my first point is changes are permanent. You guys want to throw anything in there or, or keep moving? Well, I, as soon as you said uh, the fact that it changed you and that, that's the thing that people need to understand. So, and I'm specifically talking to maybe the demographic that just don't travel a lot is that whether you, you uh, think you are, or you're not, you're going to change. And, nine out of 10 times you're going to change for the better. Just like Mellon said, it just, yeah. it's inevitable. You, it will change you, your perspective, the experiences, the, it'll just redirect your focus. Um, and it's, it's a, it's just, it's amazing. I just, again, yeah. get out there, man, get some stamps on that passport and your life will, it'll just be so much more enriched. Like I mean, one I know of the, the way. go ahead, Ralph. I would say one of the biggest changes I've noticed in myself was uh, coming up as a young man and, I used to love, I used to love um, cities, right? Like, especially in the United States. I just, I remember I would always compare cities like, oh, San Diego is better than San Francisco because of this, but there's these things I like about San Francisco. But the more I actually left the country, I started to realize that cities are okay. They're okay because it's, it's a hustle and bustle. And there's, it's kind of, it's got its own unique, uh, I guess, motif of excitement. And then I realized the thing that really is more extraordinary than anything else is what the, what the uh, human race has accomplished. And you, and you realize that when you go to places like, uh, like in Cambodia and you go to Angkor Wat or you go to like Machu Picchu in Peru or you go to all these things where these ancient uh, people have actually built 
And that's when you realize, I mean, cities are fun, but those other places like Tikal, those are extraordinary. I mean, that's when you're like, holy hell, like it, it really brings, it brings out like how great the human race can be. Right. I mean, I know there's some darkness in the history of human race, but um, it just, it just throws that in your face. And I love that about like, it just, it's awesome. And it just changes your, your, your definition of what you thought was, you know, again, I used to love like, Oh, going to New York city. It's fun, man. I would, I would pass that over if I can go back to Machu Picchu and spend a year just living there. I mean, it's just such an extraordinary place. Awesome. Well, my second one is, um, you know, that there's thousands of ways to live as you've just been saying there, Raph, there's no, there's no one best way. There's no one right way to, to do that. And, but underneath my second point is the shared humanity, you know, that we're all the same underneath, you know, you being in the Philippines and seeing children swimming in a river and just being like, we could just be in the outback in Australia right now. And that exact same scenes happening there or you, you know, you see a group of guys working on a motorbike on in the back Hills in Germany. And you're like, man, the, the, the family scenes, like there's that ignorance, the scales coming off your eyes never go back on. You know, you can't, you can't have that sense that we're the best and they're totally different and they're terrible. And once you've seen how people live, you get that deep down inside, that shared humanity, there's no going over that. That's a great point, Melon, is that humanity, humanity. And I, th I think that's, that's struggling today, you know, with everything kind of going on, it's just people are losing a sense of that humanity side and looking at each other as races or color or countries or whatever nations, whatever it might be, man, is when you travel again, you get to meet these people, have one-on-one -on -one conversations, you understand their history, you know, um, I was actually talking to, to Cherry last night and, you know, we were talking about the 4th of July and she goes, you know, what's funny is I've had Americans come up to me and go, how do you guys celebrate your independence day? <laughs> and she's like, well, uh, it's not the same because we're Australian, you know, <laughs> but 4th of July in Australia. <laughs> yeah. You know, so it's, it, it was kind of funny, but, uh, you know, you don't, you don't know that until you get out and experience it and have that conversation. Well, so I think most Australians who know Americans are like, I've been asked, do you guys celebrate the 4th of July? And it's like, no, no that's like a national holiday. <laughs> Yeah, did the British come down to Australia and, you know, <laughs> no, they guys a visit? Yeah. There's a reason we're speaking English. <laughs> They're good. All right, so then, so then my third one is, you know, like I, I think I've heard um, a bit of this out of Raf is when you're traveling, if you, you know, if you're starting out or you've got little kids, you, you might want to go on an easier option. And for me, pick, pick somewhere where they've got a common language and being English speakers, it's, you know, you've got a lot of choices and, and a lot of other places in the world accommodate English speakers. And that just, it can float. Like you might be traveling with a younger disabled child, like I, I, I have, and that is a blessing. But if you're searching for more growth, go to a more different culture. And when, when, <laughs> You, you, you see the stuff that you see in a different culture, you see a totally different way of doing meals, a totally different way of wearing clothing, what, you know, different fabrics, different everything, different music. Like that, that stuff pushes out the uh, left and right of arc in your mind in a way that the same culture doesn't. So different culture, more growth, and the same language is much easier. All right. Yeah, it's uh, so... Go, kind of going back to what you said earlier, Melon, um, what I've also noticed is when you, 
travel kind of forces you to peel back all the differences, right? Between, I guess that you normally would carry, you normally would care about, like say when you're home. Well, I'm not talking about specifically the United States. I'm sure, you know, people in Chile have their differences, but I bet you if they leave Chile and they go to the United States and, and they meet foreigners and whatnot, and you peel back those differences, you start to realize that the axioms that everybody lives by are damn near the same, right? Yeah. So I remember, um, and, and it, was a, it was like such a light bulb that came on because, you know, I'd spent plenty of time in Iraq and Afghanistan and Kuwait, uh, but always in uniform. And it wasn't until I was in Saudi Arabia that I got to actually have interactions with Arabs, like, you know, as an advisor, but then also having like going to their houses and having meals with them and then like just out in public. And that's when it dawned on me like, man, yes, I get it. They're Arab. Yep. They're Muslim. And uh, their God is a little different from, from my God. But at the end of it, man, every time we're done discussing anything, we want the same thing, right? You want security for your children. You want them to have a better future, man. You want to be loved. You want to be respected. You, you want to, you, you are endearing to your friends and your friends to you. I mean, it, it's no different than me, right? It, it literally was, I just, I remember just sitting back going, holy hell, like I've been, I've been in this region of the world fighting, you know, a small demographic of people. Um, but I didn't, as a pilot, I didn't have a lot of interaction with, you know, yeah. I mean, some Iraqi pilots, some Afghan forces, but outside of that, like nothing, nothing like you normally find in like normal day-to-day -day society, right? Everything in that regard was always combat related, but it wasn't until Saudi Arabia. And then I just, I, like I said, I just peeled back all the layers and I just realized they have the same axioms that I have in my life that I tried to live by, that I tried to live for. And I, like I've, no, I've no doubt that a, a Saudi grandfather or a Mexican grandfather or a Polak grandfather would be given the same direction to their grandchildren, right? Like, what, 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 what is a good life and what is a good person? It, 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 it's going to be the same. All right. So, Raf, throwing over you, what, what are your big takeaways, your best points you've, you've taken from travel? Well, I've already, I've already kind of pointed some out when I was kind of berating you two or just talking with you two. Um, so, just to sum them up for me, it, again, it's the perspective that changes, right? I start to realize the axioms are the same for – because we're all part of the same race, the human race. And it, it's interesting that it takes you to leave your country to figure that out when really as a human being, you should just realize that that's, that's probably the case. I, I don't know why I had to go to 40 countries and be like, Oh yeah, by the way, we're all the same, 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 but different. Um, and, and then at the same time, like going to this country, like going to foreign countries and, and then just kind of seeing the, the light and the darkness of, of, of what we're capable of. Right. You see some extraordinary things, but you also see just kind of like Mike said, um, I have, I won't get into them, but I have some vivid images that I've seen in India, Cambodia, um, certain parts in central and South America, and, but also in the United States that just kind of, you know, make me sad, but at the same time, some of the extraordinary things that, that I saw. So that's another reason to travel because it really, uh, kind of highlights these things. Um, and then just, you just kind of realize that, um, as far as my perspective, as a son of migrant parents, um, ultimately I feel like I won the, 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 the human lottery, right? Just being free, being American and having the opportunities that I do to travel and, and meet people from all over the world. It's, it's been kind of cool. It's, it's given me an amazing passport in life, if you will. It's, it's interesting, like, you know, the 
Australia's like like uh, the US is my as a nation of migrants, and we're a melting pot just like you guys are. And being a nation of migrants, it's interesting. I, I first travelled back to Ireland like 2000 and something, not that long ago. That was my first trip there. And I had this real sense of like belonging that came from visiting my roots. And then we visited uh, the Philippines, which is where my wife's uh, mum is from. And we went and visited the, the village that her great-grandfather grew up in. And it's right up in the north. It's super poor. And that, like you look around, you, it's a different standard of living, quality of living. But the people are just as happy. And like my son, he got to see both of these places as a child. And he has this really strong sense of knowing who he is and where he's from. And like, if, if you are a, like a child of a migrant family, I really encourage one of the places to try and tick off is like your roots, explore your roots and see, see where those people, see what it's like there. You know, like your family story might be a bit different than what it's really like. And you, you, you walk those fields and see those hills that your ancestors saw. There's something that resonates. And I think that's a really beautiful uh, opportunity to take up if you can. Yeah. And, you know, they just kind of, you just sprung up with a memory in my mind. So I'd say one of the most isolated places I've ever been was with my wife, Aubrey. We went to uh, Rapa Nui, which is Easter Island, right off the coast of, well, not right off the coast. It's a five, five and a half hour flight off the coast of Chile. Um, but it was, it was such a unique, unique, and I've, you know, by this time I'd been all over almost every continent on earth. And, uh, but I still think this was one of the most unique places because there are Polynesian people that spoke fluent Spanish, right? Because it was uh, it's run by Chile, and it's an, this little tiny speck of an island. I mean, and the, it's I think it's one of the most remote places on Earth. Um, but I, just going back to the simplicity of life and how happy everybody seemed, and it's you know it's a it's a controlled uh, it's kind of a controlled population. Um, I think only pure uh, people that were from the indigenous people that originated on that island only exist there. Um, but it just I remember. Life is very simple on that island, um, and everybody, and I mean everybody, was so happy. Like, everybody just was smiling and greeted you, and everybody's, I mean, it's, it, was, it, was, it was awesome. I, mean, just, I think about, you know, how good life can be if you just, you know, get rid of some of the BS and some of the layers that don't need to be there. I like how you just started that out with, you know, oh, that, that, that brought up a memory. And that's exactly what we're talking about, is you're building those memories and those life lessons with all this. It's good, right? Hey, a quick one. I'm going to just, you know, question without, without notice. What was your favorite place that you visited? Just favorite, favorite place, just the first thing that comes to mind. What's yours, Mike? Uh, Switzerland. I, I went there last year in um, Interlaken, Interlaken, Switzerland. Super expensive. So if you ever get to go there, but it is so worth it, man. The mountains and just the Alps and just the, I mean, it was like living in God's picture. It, it, it was it was absolutely beautiful, man. That's what pops in. How about you, Raf? Um, I'd say the region of South America because every place was so different. Um, like you know, Argentina, Chile, Uruguay. It just it. it I think of one of those countries, but I think, but damn, I loved Argentina also, but then damn, I love Chile also. And then I love, you know, so I would say South America really blew my mind because it's, it's such a, it's such, it's a beautiful landscape. I mean, it's absolutely gorgeous. Um, but it's so, it was just, it blew my, I just, I could live there. I, I, that's probably why I could live there. And I think so could my wife, especially 
Uruguay, my wife and I really considered in the future one day, maybe looking to buy a small plot of land and just, I don't know, see what happens. Yeah, yeah good one. For and, me, go ahead. Anything more? No, I so think this, this, yeah, the surf in Uruguay was really good. So I think that's what drew us, but yeah, go ahead. Right. Cherry and I, we both love uh, cities. We love that bustle and seeing the energy of the different places. And a place that we absolutely love is Florence. Like the art, the architecture, the food, the way that they live. They sort of totally chilled out. They back everything off to about 80%. You know, it's like, don't work so hard to have a two-hour lunch, go and have a sleep, come back, do a bit more if you want. But yeah, we don't need heaps of money. We just get by with what we've got. And everyone has really good gelati and coffee and food. I love that place. All right, so to sum up, go ahead, Mark. No, Melon, real quick. Uh, what quick, one place that you would never go back to, and I know you're going to say Mexico, so I'm going to say Australia by default. So, Mike, that's up to you. Where, where, what's the one place you wouldn't go? Man, one place I would not go? Yeah. Because uh, Mexico and Australia are already, already accounted for. Yeah, man, I've already been to, like, Southern California, so it's kind of the same a little bit. But, uh <laughs> <laughs> yeah i lived in san diego for a little over a year i get it uh so i've never been great. to mexico i've never been to mexico i'd love to go there and i'd, I'd take i'd take you with me Raf, so that you can uh pablo espanol for me but the place sure. i wouldn't go back to is a military base in south australia it's a nuclear test facility it's in the middle of the desert it's in the warmer prohibited area <laughs> that place like 49 celsius like 120 f <sighs> not good all right, so I'm going, to, I'm going to do a recap for everyone so everyone can take off. So Mike's were appreciation, perspective, and memories. For Melon, it was uh, changes of permanent, shared humanity, and uh, the more different the culture, the more the change in you. Raf is the son of uh, a migrant. He's just got that appreciation that he won the lottery of life. The newness and novelty elevates the simple, and you can bring that feeling home. And the perspectives that change, but the axioms stay the same. So we've, we've had some really great feedback. Uh, from you, our listeners out there in podcast land, we've, we've had some emails and messages that have really touched us. We didn't realize how far out this was going to go. Um, we really appreciate people who are sharing uh, and understanding what we're, we're trying to get out here. We're trying to have some real conversations and, and get some uh, frameworks and so on out into the world. So hit us up. We reply to all the emails, not your average Mike77, not your average Raf, not your average Paul at gmail.com. Share us. Give us a like and comment and get out of the bean up there in Spokane with his big toothy smile. All right. All the best, guys.